All right, everybody, welcome to the show. This is Root Solution, learning how to control the basics. This is Kyron. This is no. Always with a lag, and we're good. All right, so. <laughs> I'll get better, I promise. I say that every yeah. time. Like, 18 episodes in, I'm still lagging. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Hi, it's I like the, the dramatic cut. pause. Dramatic pause. I see the hair The hair got cut? Oh, you know. Most of them. Ooh, most of them got whoa. cut. But, Do we update know. Bumble or what? Nah, dude. I, de- I deleted everything. It's all good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so today we have a special guest. Um chase welcome to the show what's up guys it's nice to be here i appreciate you guys having me on man of course of course uh so uh i know chase from a little gym called elevate uh, we met there and just instantly clicked i mean we both love basketball love to play basketball uh side note i beat him one-on-one uh still <laughs> that up <laughs> Shot me. Fired. Yeah, that that was one time, and and Chase hadn't been playing for a while, so that's probably why. So, <laughs> so yeah, Chase is, is a stud athlete, um, no doubt about it. Um, but yeah, he's super super knowledgeable in the strength and conditioning world, especially with athletes. So we really wanted to have him on because of that knowledge, um, and just as a coach and a person, right? I mean, I think that um, as soon as you talk to him, you just you want to be his friend so welcome to the show chase and um i think just to start it off like we always start off our our interviews and stuff like that is um kind of how you got to where you are today yeah uh, appreciate those kind of words um even the intro about our basketball game you know <laughs> back on that That's one though so be ready i just like i put it out there like like no other that's oh, I love, I love it. I love it. You know, <laughs> I think we'll get into this a little bit later, but, uh, you know, that kind of friendly banter is a part of my business, too, you know, and I enjoy the oh, yeah. And if you're going to dish it, you've you got to be able to take it, and I'm a big believer in that. For oh, yeah, sure. I'm ready to lose. I'm ready to lose. Well, I'm, I'm ready for the day. i own that one right there. <laughs> so, um, Chase, before you get into how you got where you are, maybe we should start with yeah. where are you? So tell us a little okay. bit about yourself, what you do, your business. Yeah, sure. Well, currently as stands right now to this day, um, I'm still actually where Kai and I met over at Elevate. I'm running space and running my group, uh, my Chase Cameron Performance Athletes, out of that space. So I work privately and I work uh, with small groups out of that space. In addition to that, I do travel a little bit to some high schools I've been affiliated with. Um, For right now, it is Fairmont Prep Academy, uh, girls basketball, and previously before that, it's uh, been, for the last few years, Huntington Beach water polo. Oh, nice. And, and uh, you know, I, I don't really pursue that so much these days, but I had made commitments, and I really love working with those teams, especially yeah. the girls I'm with this year, as we are returning the, the majority of our roster from a CIF runner-up team that went state last year. So, you know, I, of course, I had to be back for that one, even with the travel schedule that it involves. I, I couldn't miss that. Um, you know, we've got a great head coach over there, Sarah, who's very supportive. The whole staff and members of that um, Fairmont Prep Academy uh, community is very are very supportive of me. So I definitely had to own up and make sure, hey, we were there to give this another run this year. So very fortunate to be over there. And in addition to that, what we're doing right now or what I'm doing is uh, we're really getting into the online space of being able to work with some athletes, but predominantly people who are kind of just a generic population, maybe a post-athlete, who want to continue their health and performance and athleticism, you know, lifelong and need some support, direction, um, and accountability. And so we're really working with that type of population who's maybe the post-athlete or people who just want to live a more athletic, involved life. So that's where we're so heading kind, to. Kind of everyone, really. What's that? Kind of everyone. Well, I would say yes and no. Um, you know, I have my athletic group that I work with in shop and it's a generic people, but it, you know, it's, it's, we're going to run an athletic based model with those guys. I don't specialize in just pure bodybuilding or anything like that. Okay. Um, we're going to have conversations revolving around sports as part of my culture. And I think what makes us thrive and why people want to be a part of it, why it's continuing to grow right now is because, uh, People that come into me are very passionate about sports and are very yeah. passionate about fitness. 
and uh, we do athletic-based work, but we'll meet them with, of course, whatever their fitness preparedness and level is you know, currently, and then we'll develop them appropriately up the chain from there. So that said, I, I think that's like a really interesting idea. One, because I like I love sports and I come from that background as well. Um, but two, I, I think the idea of like using sports as a lens for fitness is pretty cool. Um, do you find yourself like specializing in an aspect of sports or do you just kind of work on building a better all around athlete? No, it's so funny because that question has haunted me for like five years in terms yeah. of basketball. What I mean by that is basketball is what I was mostly known for. That was my number one sport. That's what I love the most. Like that's my main passion is basketball. One of my right. clients and I, we every Friday down in Newport Beach at 38th Street. Um, and, you know, that's part of our stuff. And, uh, but I also have such a passion for so many other sports. I boxed two years ago and I got deep into the boxing community. I work with jujitsu athletes, um, and I have my baseball players and so on and so forth. So why it haunted me for so long was, you know, okay, I, I'm really going to make this just a basketball oriented kind of uh, business and I'm going to cater to basketball athletes. Um, and as much as I love that, and I can still potentially do that. I just love, I love the, I love every sport so much and I just couldn't get away from the other stuff. So I just decided I'm going to keep running with it. This is where we're having success. And this is where I truly love to be. Even though basketball is my number one, I just love sports in general, surfing, boxing, combat sports. And that's just where I want to be. Well, and I think that the interesting thing about a strength and conditioning coach, I mean, for me, um, you know, having a background in both kind of PT and strength and conditioning, I found that, you know, strength conditioning ultimately is not as complicated as we want to make it. We want to talk about like sports specific training. But the reality is, is like, we're going to build a better machine to do the task at hand. So like, though we may yeah. do more rotational stuff with a baseball player or whatever else. I mean, I personally have found that like, I just want you to be a better athlete and be better round, well, more well-rounded. Do you find yeah. that like the way you end up training them at their core ends up being pretty similar? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit the nail right on the head. Um, you know, I'll backtrack right before that is where I think, you know, maybe having that, that language with the athlete about their sport really helps from a connectivity standpoint, of you know course. what I mean? From just, a, just from a coach athlete relationship standpoint, because when you can speak their language a little bit in terms of how it relates to their positions and they know that, you know, um, right. you know, about what it goes into their sport, at least a little bit, I think yeah. it just helps that relationship. And, and I think when that relationship is healthy and they understand that, you know, can you know about what that sport involves, then they tend to kind of link on you a little bit better. And it just makes the overall training process a little bit better from a communicative standpoint. Um, yeah. But from actual X's and O's standpoint, I couldn't agree more with you. I think early on in my career, I tried to be way like, like a lot of coaches, I tried to do too many fancy things at the peak of the pyramid too soon with too many different athletes. And I think our training really suffered from it. And when we just pulled back, and become very good at the basics. And when we needed specialty work, we kind of went up the ladder a little bit. But my approach is you're going to be well-rounded mover. And every time you step in, we're going to work to get better at our selected movements, whether that's hinging, whether that's single leg activity. And then, of course, if you, if you play a rotational sport, we are going to do some rotational speed work on the continuum and so on and so forth. But we keep things very simple in my program, and we try to maximize our efficiency of how we move. I love that. One of the things you had mentioned earlier, and I, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I, it, it like shot out at me. You had mentioned working with um, female, female athletes and female sports. Um, yeah. Do you, and you, you've talked about culture, you've talked about relationships, all things that like, I think are amazing. Um, do you find that with female athletes that there's a different pathway and a different approach? Or do you take uh, a different approach? A programming standpoint or from a communicative environment standpoint? I think more from a culture perspective. Like, um, I think, you know, a lot of strength conditioning coaches out there that, you know, are trying to break into the business. I think that's, I, I, I hear a lot that they struggle with the, the, the male-female dynamic of, like, helping to train yeah. females versus men. So I know you've had a ton of experience, and I've seen firsthand through your Instagram some success you've had with some female athletes. So I'm curious to know, like what your approach is with females or if it's even different. You know what? It's just to be honest, there it's it's it can be similar across the board, but it is different. They are especially because I work with a lot of high school females, right? Preparatory right. Uh, 
the Anaheim school and Fairmont prep, uh, that's high school girls ranging from 14 years old to 18 years old. And right. you know, they're at interesting times in their life. And a lot of them are still really insecure. Right. I just want them to know that, hey, I've got your back. Like I don't try to, I, I really watch my tones. I would say that's a right. big one for me. I watch how my tones are, especially when they don't know me yet. I want right. to just establish a trusting relationship. I'm not trying to be overly grindy with you got to do this. You got to do that. You got to commit. Right. You got to hard. That will come for me when they trust me. And, you know, so when it comes to my tones and my language that I use, it probably is a little bit different than my than the male counterparts, um, specifically because of that age as well. But yeah. all I try to do up front is establish a trusting, re encouraging relationship. I may give probably more positive feedback as well up front. But an interesting yeah. transition just occurred this past week with my Fairmont Prep team. Um, I was able to get more direct as a coach versus having to kind of layer down some positivity before I gave critiquing feedback across the whole. Um, I was able to just be a little bit more direct, more direct, because I've worked with them for a year and a half now. And I actually brought that up during a water break. And I, I, tell, I tell them, especially the females, thank you a lot. I do a lot of, I'm big on manners and I do a lot of pleases and thank yous. And I told them during the water break, you guys, hey, I just recognized I just coached you differently than I've been coaching you for the last year and a half. And what I mean by that is I was able to be much more direct in my communication and my language to you. And I want to thank you guys for allowing me to do that because that helps us get more work done throughout this 60 minute session we're in. And so now I've laid the groundwork for being able to do that because the expectations are set that, Hey guys, you guys are better than where you were. And now because I can do this style of communication, we can take our training to a higher level. And you know I'm not trying to be mean or negative to you in any sense. I'm just trying to be upfront and push you to your next levels. So the expectations have been set for how I want to now take that next step in communication strategy. And um, and they know that it's uh, that, that they're, they're accepting of that to me. But that's kind of how I go about those, those individuals. I love that. That's so awesome, Chase. Uh, I just wanted to cut in here. Um... Because you don't really hear that too much about coaches, I don't think, mm -hmm. about the communication aspect of it and like really being upfront, especially with, you know, 14 to 18 year old kids that don't even know how to communicate that well anyways. But like to come from that, um, like, like, I appreciate what you've done. Like, I don't think they hear that a lot. So like, where did that come from? Like, where, where did you learn that? Because I, I think that's like such a such an amazing thing to add on to that just to give you an opportunity to answer both and what do you, what would you attribute that to like in terms of like how did you get there uh to how did i attribute getting there from a year and a half ago yeah to where we're like at? what what it, what got you to the point where you're able to communicate in a different way um just the consistency in my behavior day in and day out knowing that I'm going to be there every single day for you guys, right? I mean, it comes down to trust. It just comes down to trust. And then I didn't go into that session thinking this is what I'm going to do today. It just came out. Like, it just came out. I saw and I read the vibe, and I just go so much off the vibe of the session as a coach. And I just, it just intuitively came out. And I recognized it during the water break. I'm like, holy crap, things just leveled up a little bit. And it's not like I'm yelling at them. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. But I'm more direct in terms of, Early on, I probably give a lot more compliment sandwiches, right? Like I probably say, you're doing well here. Great job with that footwork. Now let's try to work this a little bit, bit, but great job with that footwork. Well, I'm doing less of that. So it started to phase off a little bit. And then all of a sudden it was just, hey, let's get some better footwork there. And I'm, you're still doing some encouraging based stuff, but it's, I take some of the positive time fillers out a little bit. And then Kyron, I guess to you, um, where did that come from? I think. Just how I was brought up, man. I, I, my my mom's side of the family is from Southeast Kentucky, so I've got a lot of that kind of almost southern southern kind of thing in me. Hospitality. <laughs> yeah, and but in addition to that, it just comes from just you know retrospective thinking and just really digging deep into what worked for me when people responded to me, not just in athletics but in life. Like when I was at my deepest darkest hours and I wasn't getting you know, a lot of uh, 
I, I, you know when someone is connecting with you and when someone is not, right? When someone's Definitely. vibing and someone's not. So it's just it was just a lot of years of failure and a lot of years of retrospective kind of, okay, what, what worked for me? And this always seemed to circle back was like the more I was interested in somebody else, the more I put it on them and the more I was, you know, uh, I was just kind of my natural mannered self. Uh, that was the, always the best response from people I tended to get back. And so it was like, well, you know, I can go different routes as a coach. I'm kind of like some of my athletes, I'm definitely a more aggressive based coach. I have that ability to do me, but my more natural ability is to just be kind of a mannered style coach. And uh, that works really well for this population of young women that I'm working with. I think, you know, I like in my experience with young women, I think that for lack of better words, their bullshit meter is high. And I, I kind of think authenticity shines through. And so hearing what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me. The, the reality is, it's like, I'm going to be my true self. I'm going to be thoughtful. I'll be a good human. I'll treat you with respect. I expect the same in return. Please work hard. Um, but this is who I am. And I think that um, how, teenage kids don't seem to get that as much as they probably deserve. Yeah. And you know what? I think what you said is, is correct. It's authenticity, right? Like I just, you got to be who yourself. And what I do is not necessarily going to work exactly the same way for somebody else. Now you right. can take certain pieces that you like and try to mold it into how you naturally are as a human being and as a coach, but you can't be me and I can't be you. And right. when, when I, it's not like I'm saying please and thank you every sentence, but generically sure. within flow of the conversation, and, you know, how I approach it with my changing tones and volumes and reading the situations, it commands respect. And they understand that I'm serious about what I do, but I'm also grateful for being here and I'm grateful for your efforts. And I want to appreciate and acknowledge when you give me the type of effort that you're giving me and you're doing things that are going to set you up for success in my program and betterment of your athletic performance. I want to take time to acknowledge that because I want more of it. Do you take a similar approach with the male athletes? Yes, always going to be somewhat there. However, depending on who I'm coaching, it can change. For example, I have got, uh, you know, I'm going to, you know, I've, I've got a guy who's not an active athlete. He's a former soccer player and he's a businessman. But the first few days as I was kind of getting to know him on, our, on the training floor, you know, I give a little bit more positivity. And he had a conversation with me. He's like, dude, just give it to me direct. He's like, cool, I got you. And I and him and I, we talk some shit together. Yeah. We talk some shit together. And that's just who we are and what works for us. And sometimes it's funny because a couple of the other, you know, trainers running their business and they're like are shocked by it. Right. Because we go back and forth all day. And that's what we do, but that's what works for us in that situation. And right. nobody takes it personally. And I know when I probably need to back off. You know, I read the room. Right. Reading the room yeah. is important. And so, um, but that's what makes us work. And so with a lot of my, but a lot of my male guys, yes, I can be a little bit more of an aggressive type of jokester. But you just got to read your population and you just got to read the room a little bit. Um, but it's not just my males too. Nancy, who you know, Kai, my yeah, female sponsor. Yeah, no, she's still a female, but she is around the boxing community, which is very male dominant right. and a lot of testosterone in that community, a lot of alpha type males in that community. Right. And so her and I are able to blend a little bit more on the kind of guy side approach that I take with my guys. So you, you clearly have a lot of intuition in the way you approach coaching, um, not necessarily even from an X and O standpoint, just like a, a human perspective. Um, have you done work in that world? Like, is that something you study or have tried to like kind of get better at? Is there something you come natural? I've read some Brett Bartholomew stuff in the past. You know, I read his conscious yeah. book years ago. Um, but I never studied anything like that. I was a kinesiology, you know, student. But, uh, you know, it's just, I've just made a premium priority of focusing on building better relationships in general with people this year. Um, yeah. And by focusing on that, our training has gotten better. Um, and so I, I, I think it's not because I study it. It's just because I made a priority and a conscious effort to daily work on it for the last several years. 
It's funny. I don't know if you know who Derek Woodski is, but he's a, a coach. He coaches a lot of really high-level athletes. But Derek Woodski talks a lot about that, where he's like, honestly, it doesn't really you know, matter how much you know about coaching if you can't connect to people. Because the reality is connection is how you create the buy-in, which gives you that entrance to be able to like get production from people. So yeah. like, if you can't connect, then all of it's for nothing. Yeah, you could be, interesting. You can be the most brilliant guy when it comes to periodization strategies and you know and, right. and method of training. But if you can't communicate that properly and get them to do it day in and day out for a lot of years, then they're never going to get to the elite level that they need to be with you. Nor are they going to buy what you're saying, right? Like they're not even going to really even give you a chance to like communicate yeah. that information. And even if you do, they they kind of they they think bullshit anyway. You know. Yeah, and you guys know, like training, training at it, getting to an elite level of athleticism and training performance doesn't happen overnight. And training could be a grind. And most of the athletes that I work with, um, you know, a lot of the guys typically can like training because you know it's you know inherently been you know they like to look good, they like to pump some iron. But even those guys, a lot of them want to play their sport. They don't necessarily want to be in the weight room all the time. Um, so in order to achieve those extremely high level results, you got to put in consistent high level effort for a lot of years and you got to be able to go through that grind. Um, and so if you can't communicate with them and they don't enjoy some capacity being around you and in your environment, then odds are they're not going to get the amount of consistency that they need for a long period of time. So that said, like, I mean, we obviously recognize the grind it takes to be a high-level athlete, right? Um, for yeah. you, from a coaching perspective, do you find that you, you know, kind of periodize your training according to, like, make it more or less excitable or, or digestible long-term? Uh, shoot, man. I've actually gotten to, you know, we have some base movement that we focus on, but it depends on what, the, the, you know, the individual athlete's injury history is and, of course, what their goals are and so on and so forth what their sport is, but, um, uh, we, we have, I, I do believe in consistency to create yeah. adaptation. So I've actually transferred from a lot of four week, uh, mesocycles cycles to six week mesocycles cycles with some of our guys and to give them a, a few more weeks, um, to train a specific adaptation. And of course that depends in the, the time of year and that macro cycle that you're at and when the event is. But for my baseball player, we've gravitated to six week blocks instead of four week mesocycles. cycles. And he's gotten a crap ton better results by giving him two extra weeks of work. Sure. And so uh, I will stay fairly consistent. I don't do a ton of variation within those mesocycles. If I, and then even as we get into the next mesocycle, depending on where we're going with it and what time of the year it is. But for a lot of my general members, I like to do the same approach, but I will give them variability on a couple of counts. Of course, if the program is not working to the level that I want it to work anymore, but simply if they're getting stale with it mentally. Right. And so I look at it from a mentality standpoint, if they're getting very stale with it, then I probably will sneak in some different accessory work, but maybe keep the main thing the main thing. And I'll probably try to give them some variability in the accessory work. If, even if I don't really want to change it up, just to give them some freshness if I feel that they need it. Yeah, I kind of find that too. I, I think... You know, at this point in my, my career, I lean a little bit more on PT, but I, I spent a lot of time as a strength conditioning coach prior, and I found that with my primary lifts, I tried to stay consistent, or my primary goals, I should say, I stayed consistent. And then when it came to the accessory work, I kind of looked at it as like, okay, well, I want to create hypertrophy in the tricep. So maybe in three weeks, we'll do three different tricep exercises. But the reality of it is, is like it's accomplishing the same goal. Um, but I find, especially with general pop, their ability to stay focused on tasks, especially with everything else in the market, is really tough because it's constantly very world we live in. And it's hard to sell. Yeah, workouts of the day, right? Took over. Workouts of the day, which, which is not training. It's workouts. And if you're a beginner, right. you can probably lose some weight, get some results. But if, you want, if you're talking top-level results, you have to have a plan you have to build some consistency to adapt to a stressor, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's an interesting thing with my gen pop guys is because I, I explained them, we need to be consistent because I don't want to just mix in a whole bunch of random stuff when we're trying to work on honing in different skills. Like if you can't even hip hinge, we're going to work on your hip hinge. 
because right. I value the hip hinge quite a bit because I do a lot of deviations off that. But uh, but yeah, also want to be cautious of maybe not getting them too bored up front when they haven't developed that mental endurance of training yet. Um, but yeah, that's that that's uh, something where I think we can do a really good job of sneaking it in is work on their main stuff that we value as the big rocks of the program. And then the small rocks, we can give them some change of pace a little bit. Um, right. an, example, let me tell you an example of what I do with Nancy, again, I'm going to circle back to her. Um, she's going to start getting a big head because she's going to mention her so much. She's going to think she's my favorite client. So uh, <laughs> with, um, with her, she's a boxer. I have her on a frequency of twice per week for the past right. two years. Um, she's got so many training sessions. She's got a lot of coaches she works with. So she's got yeah. mitt work, she's got spar work, so on and so forth. It's a lot of training sessions. And plus we've got weight classes. And she is a person who I believe can hypertrophy fairly quickly. And so we got to monitor her hyper, high, hypertrophic effects. Um, of right. course, a lot of that's going to come through nutrition. She works with her nutrition coach. But um, so volume is something I'm cautious with with her. Right. And now I have given her an assigned third day because she asked for it. And we don't have a fight date anytime soon. But we've had those conversations of volume control. And I can kind of strategically right. plug that in play. But the example I want to get with her is I have her for a long time on a 5-3-1 Wendler program right. for a box. And the reasons being is because she's a former power lifter and she loves to power lift. So right. I can make uh, – we're kind of picking just a big three. We're not doing uh, you know, the shoulder press, but we're doing right. a national deadlift, which is her bread and butter. We're doing a front squat, and we're doing a bench. And – We've been building on a 5-3-1 as those main lifts. And then the accessory work, we've been doing the athletic-based stuff, getting in the frontal plane, getting in the sagittal plane, working rotational work. And then here and, th here and there in certain like two- to three-week blocks, every so often, we've trialed out a peak phase just to see how it goes. But then we circle back to 5-3-1. Um, and she doesn't get stale that. We get enough variability through her accessory work. And now – we're actually starting to include some uh, weightlifting der uh, derivatives into her program, getting her comfortable with that because she's so freaking strong and she's actually a trainer herself. So she's so fundamental with her skill set. Um, it makes my job so easy and I can try so many unique different things with her and see what's going to increase her now rate of force development because she's so strong, adding some of these, uh, these skillful weightlifting movements and med ball work that we do, um, helping increase her rate of force development. Um, I mean, I think just the sky's the limit from her athletic potential. And as long as she's got skills in the ring, she's going to do some damage. So you, there's a lot there, right? I, I think that's a really interesting, like, I want to take a second and talk about kind of a lot of what you said. Um, one, obviously the connections there to, to understand what she wants and needs, which I think is incredible. But you had mentioned a few things regarding like hypertrophy, managing hypertrophy, managing load, things like that. Um, yeah. All those things I think are incredible. And I, and and from working with fighters in the past, those are things that I've been saying for years is that typically fighters end up kind of trash, right? And so they don't peak well for their fights because they end up just doing too much shit. And so I noticed that you didn't mention a whole lot of things regarding like conditioning and things like that, which I agree with. But I kind of want to hear your thoughts on as far as like fighters are concerned, how you go about like sitting down and figuring out how we're going to cycle out. Uh, how we're going to cycle out. What do you mean by cycle out? Just in terms of like, like what, this is the plan, right? We got 16 weeks to get you ready. We need to maintain weight as well as have the highest possible peak of force production, as well as making sure you're in good shape and like you're crisp. Like, do you have like, essentially what I'm looking for is like some sort of like, like give me an idea of how like a, a 12 week prep would go for like a fight. Yeah, sure. Well, Nancy hasn't had a fight yet. She sure. it's tough to get a woman fight for her. Um, yeah. but as, as we get into an actual fight date, like with, uh, some of our other guys that we've done, you know, off season, of course, we just try to make general strength gains and we just try to keep them as healthy as possible and build some general base strength. Uh, okay. I like to always mix in some multi-directional movement. I always like to mix in some med ball. I'm always a fan of keeping med ball rotational work and skill work in the mix. So we can train sure. that strength continue in some fashion. Now we might just dose it a little bit in the off season and then start to shift that off to a little bit more dominant kind of approach when we get closer to a fight date. 
but that's it. We just keep it specialty. And then as we get closer to a fight, we'll start reaching into our bag of tricks and get as specific as we can with some of their movements. So we'll take out the specialty exercises towards the end. And it's, and really it's, I try to not overcomplicate it too much. Um, I don't have any devices at this point, which I'm trying to invest in and get so we can monitor, um, you know, their power output and effort, you know, speed of the bar, so on and so forth. Um, yeah, those tens units are those things are so expensive. Yeah, and you know it's worth the investment for me for sure, but I just happen to pick one one piece at a time right now. Um, but I kind of rely on my coaching eye to see how they're sequencing their movements and what the speed is looking like, and I, I just right. generally rely on my experience right now for that. Um, we we can get some conditioning work in as well, although I dominate my specialties to strength and power, and I'm trying to work on increasing my um, conditioning capacity to help these guys even a little bit better. But we do de- you know, tend to do that. With a lot of fighters I've, that I worked with in the past, I, I, I realized that, like a lot of their conditioning ends up coming out of fighting, right? Like they do some road work and they do some, maybe some bike work and then they spar. And then most of them end up in pretty good shape, assuming they're strong enough to maintain positions while fights. Um, just, so sorry. No, no, go for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy because they have so much workload outside of you. It's crazy. And generally are pushing the, the shit out of them. Look, let's right. take my jiu-jitsu guys. They're doing combat class for two hours, like right. pretty much almost every single day. Right. So a lot of their conditioning is going to come from that. And right. then the additional work that we get to do is going to probably dominate to what they're not getting, which is the strength and power work. Right. And then – as they get better, we'll probably try to increase their work capacity within those types of power sur- power based circuits. As we get closer to fight camp, uh, that could be an option for us. But uh, one of my boxers, we tend to do a lot of red zone conditioning with him when he does see me. So we put we do one time a week right now, and we put the heart rate monitor on him, and we design yeah. a circuit that keeps him in that kind of upper threshold ninety plus percent heart rate. Right. And then we'll get them, uh, we'll get them some of that work. But outside of that, most of our stuff is strength and conditioning based. And they do get a lot of their conditioning through spar work or combat, right. uh, combat class work. Yeah. I mean, that, that, well, that, that for me was this, that was my struggle with, I was trying to tell these coaches, like these guys adding road work and everything else at the end of it. And I'm like, you're like, I don't know if they need it. Like, I, re- I really don't. Like, I think, you know, like VO2 capacity is high and, and their ability to like, stay fresh is good like i don't know why we need the extra work but it feels like from a cultural perspective like fighting just as a more is better perspective yeah it's uh it's interesting because coaches are always going to take the high priority of what goes on they're not going to sacrifice right. their stuff for our stuff as we know we're the low men on crazy. the toe. but um, then you watch videos of nancy and she's hitting pads and she's destroying pads they're like yo it turns out that if you create somebody who has good range of motion, good control of those ranges, and as strong as fuck, she's going to destroy pads and destroy yeah. people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, she she she's is. She's not you know, slow. No, she's extraordinarily fast. I mean, if you see her in the action, you know, in the weight room, she's strong as an ox. She's right. strong than most of my guys in my program. And, right. uh, and she, she's, she can move very fast, too, with the drill set that I give her. And like you said, you see her on the mitts and hands, and she's not exactly been a boxer for 10 years. She's right. only not even barely, I think, two and a half years, maybe three years into it. Right. So she's still at the beginning phases of learning technique and learning how right. to box. She, she's, she's got some speed on her for sure. She's definitely not slow. Um, but, you know, cir- circling back to, to the guy that I work with on the, the red zone conditioning kind of work, I try to actually – talk to him frequently about, Hey, I think you might benefit for some other areas of strength and performance work, but he values this part of his mental makeup. He values so much this once a week session that I give him. I have a hard time taking it away right now. And he, he had two fights. His last two fights were on, um, were on top rank on ESPN and he Mm -hmm. just felt, he felt good and he feels valuable. And when you get wins, you like to credit your wins to what's going on in your in your current training uh, regimen, and he just values it on such a high level. I'm like, cool. Well, I, I'm not really going to take it away from you right now. We'll continue to have conversations, and if there's another area we can sneak in some of this other work, let's take advantage of it and let's do it. 
but he just values it on such a high level. That's kind of the, the direction we go with with him. So that's something I think is important for strength conditioning coach, especially when you're working with uh, non-team athletes, is that ability to compromise and understand that like sometimes mental well-being and then like that that uh, perceptual feeling is more important than maybe the bar speed on a deadlift, you know? Yeah, and, and I think that's definitely important, 100% important, which is I, why I talk to them. I'm like, hey, I think there, we do need to spend some time doing some other stuff. Um, but the reality is also that he doesn't have to be there with me. You know what right. I mean? And if I try to force feed something that he doesn't agree with, and especially if he loses, chances are he may not come back to me too. And then I can't help it yeah. anywhere. And the, the truth is, is like, you know, giving people what they want, right? Um, Julian Pino is a, a mentor of mine, somebody I've worked with for a long time and a really smart strength conditioning coach. And he, he said, you know, in the end, like, you got to give people what they want too. And if you're not, if they don't feel like they're winning the compromise a little bit and you're just dictating the outcome, then they're not going to come back. And the reality is, is like exactly what you said, right? It's I'm going to build a connection with somebody, hope that I can talk them into buying, buying into my, my beliefs. But the reality is, is like, I've got to give them what they want too. So, I mean, yeah. it says a lot about you from a humility standpoint. And especially up front, too. It's, it, and it's not like you have to break what your philosophical beliefs are and who you are. Right. And if you're not a match, maybe you're not a match, right? You got to know when you're right. not a match with somebody as well. So, and there's been times where I'm, I've referred people elsewhere because I want to yep. make sure that they land somewhere they need to be. I think that validates my, my program a lot better when I can provide them with an avenue that maybe is not me, but they land somewhere that is for them. So if I can still right. help them without actually servicing them. Um, but I think that cements my business and my, my sanity as well. When I've got the right fit into our program, that's going to matter. Um, but at the early stages, if we are going to go ahead and go forward with training, yeah, we'll, we'll probably meet you a little bit with where you think you want to be, but then through time, through some results, and through that, that trusting kind of building relationship and through education, over time, we could probably swing in a little bit more to our direction, too, and where they think they need to be. And I think, again, that says a lot about you from a humility standpoint and a connection standpoint, right? That, like, you, you're you into it to being a good human and getting what they want. Now, I know um, Kai and I talked a little bit about kind of some of the, your background and some of the training protocols you use. He had mentioned that you've been kind of looking into more of the Phil Daru type stuff. For those of you that don't know who Phil Daru is, he's one of the top strength and conditioning coaches in the UFC and um, a crazy smart guy. Um, have you started applying a lot of that to what you do or or is it just kind of another tool in the tool belt? I think it's another tool in the tool belt. That's how I view everything. That's how I view everything. Um, and I have to do that because when I've tried to be too much like an individual coach or someone that I looked up to in the past, uh, my training didn't work out so well. Um, yeah. I started who I naturally was and the training suffered. So I'm always going to just view everything as another tool in the toolbox. And how can I use this to blend into what we do? And that has to be my mentality for my personal optimal results. Right. Um, and that may be different for somebody else. And then nothing wrong with that. You know, if that works for you. Um, now, when it comes to Phil, I think uh, I learned a lot of my my boxing combat work from, uh, you know, box the, the boys boxing science out in London. That's where I got a lot of my stuff. And I know Phil's actually done some work with them at one point, went yeah. over to London and did some stuff with them. Uh, but I think I, I, I try to pick up some different skills and insights and perspectives from those guys when I learn, learn their stuff and say, okay, well, what are they seeing? Oh, I, I like this drill. How does it fit in with what we do and the specific timeline of where we're at? Where can I potentially use this and who would it be a best fit for? So I do yeah. try to take some of their stuff and apply it when I feel it's best fit for where we're at. And if, you know, if it's the right fit for some of our guys. So that I just said, purchased this 12 week okay. program this morning, actually. Nice. So, so, so that said, it's sorry, sorry, we got cut off. Say it one time. Oh, uh, sorry about that. I was just finishing saying, uh, I actually just purchased that program this morning. I'm interested to dive into it. I haven't yet to see what his 12 week boxing program is about. Nice. Yeah. I, I played with some of his stuff. I mean, um, I like Cal Deep stuff a lot, and Phil uses a lot of the, the triphasic stuff. And so that was that kind of caught my eye. Now, that said, without getting too nerdy, because I'm sure our listeners don't really give a shit about that. Um, <laughs> as far as tools in your toolbox go, what are some of the, like, historically, like, education that's got you? I know you had mentioned you were doing school for kinesiology. Like, what's the evolutionary 
process of Chase to get where he is today and kind of fill out that tool belt? You know, from a sports performance training standpoint, um, shoot, man, if I'm being honest with you, all the books have been great and the research articles are cool, but it's talking to individuals like yourself. I've never, my retention rate is so much higher when I have these types of conversations. Yeah, we're great. In, like actually in shop, like I'm going into my buddy, uh, talked to him today, Matt Lindemood, if you're familiar with Matt Lindemood. Uh, he's got a cool spot. I think he's up in LA. So I'm going to go up to him and I respect the hell out of him and his, uh, his speed development work and, and his strength development work. So I can't wait to do that because I'm going to learn so much that I can bring back. Yeah. That's where I learned the most is being around it. I'm definitely a visual experimental type learner. I do the books. Of course, I get up at five. That's when I get my, mo- my best studying done. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm definitely a guy that needs to have these conversations. And I think I would totally recommend if you're a young coach, get as much exposure to guys like yourself, guys like Kai as you can, because I think not only are you going to learn the most, um, you know, from the direct source, but you're also going to open up more opportunities as well. Agreed. You know, it's funny you say that, um, you know, back in the day, I, I owned a CrossFit and I was doing my whole CrossFit thing. And people ask me like, oh, how'd you get where you got? And I'm like, honestly, I just called people. And like, I just went, I went. So like I, I went to Westside Barbell and hung out with like Louis Simmons and worked out with the crew and got my ass kicked. And, you know, I went down to go see Coach Bergner, who's one of the best Olympic weightlifting coaches on the planet. And he's in like San Diego. Like, and the reality was just like you said, like in the end, just spending time with people that were smarter than me. Yeah. Just shutting up, and like watching what they do and how they go about it. And that, that for me really like it changed everything. And it, it created that like level of respect for like the craft, right? Like, man, yeah. how hard these guys work. Look what they do. Oh yeah, I mean, you want to be great, you better be a brown greatness. That's gonna rub off because it's not easy. Every time. Like, you have days where you're gonna be motivated, right? But you're not gonna be motivated every single day. But being yeah. around the environment and that culture, that's gonna help habits form, work ethic form, and you're gonna right. be around. They're gonna push you and challenge you in days that you don't feel so good. So that's that's hugely hugely important. Um, and it's, it's interesting. I had some kind of mort mentality when I got out of uh, graduate school. Like I was supposed to know everything. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I was supposed to know all the answers. And I shied away from reaching out to coaches for some reason. I don't know why from, from doing this stuff. Even well, though scary. I internally just craved it. I just didn't know how to operate yet. And I was going through just kind of transitional phases with my own, you know, emotional mentality as well and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to operate and what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, I wish I can go back and use those years to better network with guys like yourself and learn. Cause I think I would be so much more ahead of where I'm at now, but you know, it is what it is. And now I can just pass that information on to the next generation and hopefully they do better than I did. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that, man. I, I think like having that mentality really makes a big difference. You'd mentioned something in that in that little clip there. You'd mentioned motivation, and you're obviously a very motivated person. What's kind of your driver? Like what what you know? Like you're waking up at five, you're studying, you're learning, you're growing, you're evolving, you're changing. What drives that? I just have a passion for um, for training. I have a passion for sports. All that is good stuff, man. But look, I know. If I'm being honest, I know what it's like to be um, in a place where I don't want to be, dark place where yeah. I don't want to be. So very similar to how we had the earlier conversation where I, I very much paid attention to what was working with me from a communicative standpoint for people and what didn't work. I was paid attention to my habits and what put me in places where mentally I didn't want to be and what was feeding the positivity of how I wanted to leave my lifestyle. And yeah. I don't really want to get up at 5 a.m., but if I don't do that, even a couple of days pass, and I don't get my reading in, I don't get my studies in, I can be a slightly different person from a, a social standpoint, from all these things, and things tend to just fall through the cracks. So it's really out of almost necessity. And it's just I created a habit, and I started to reap the benefits after years of just self-growth and putting myself um, less into things that weren't providing me good benefit, you know, going out drinking and doing all that stuff and more things that were just productive to my own sanity, mental health and emotional health, which ended up being good for my business health. And so um, I just started 
paying attention and doing things that um, that fueled that more and more and more. And it just ended up to these habit based lifestyle that I live. And, you know, I can be flexible, but I do have routine. And so uh, the more I dove into this, the more I wanted to do it because I'm more at peace and I'm more happy with myself. And I have better relationships with people than I've had before because of these habits that I've formed over the last few years. Yeah, man. I, that's incredible. I mean, I think that's it. That's everything, right? Like you're, you're harboring a life that you want to live that that's worth living, that, that makes you happy, that fulfills you and then allows you to kind of spread your light and, you know, positively influence other people. I mean, I think that's in the end what it really should all be about, right? Yeah. So I don't want to go back to what, you know, that life was about. And I want to also, but it's twofold too, because I also want certain things in my future. I want to accomplish yeah. things and I feel that I'm a level where I can really push to do so, to do those types of things as long as I commit to the process and the more I do it, and I'll tell you what, no, the more I do it, that feeling of just that, uh, that positivity and that success and, you know, who I get to connect with these days um, and just how I get to live my life now on a daily basis. It's just so fun. So I want to keep doing right. it. I love that. So, I know we had talked a little earlier about like kind of the future of, of Chase's business in terms of that online model. Um, tell me more about that. Like what's, what's the evolution? What's next for you, man? Right now it's, I'm in a course, uh, the online trainer Academy. Okay. So I enrolled in the online trainer Academy, uh, after I read Jonathan Goodman's book a couple times and I knew I wanted to get some assistance with the online portion. I wanted to do it right. And so uh, I kept seeing Eric Cressy support this thing. And I kept seeing Eric Cressy stuff kind of get to me. And uh, so then I checked out the website and had a lot of people in the field that I respected were endorsing, you know, his course. So I pulled right. the trigger and did it. And so I'm still, you know, just a quarter of the way through it, but it's helped me out already tremendously. And right now I'm focusing on working with athletes 1v1. Now we're going to expand off that later, but we're just trying to get this first part under the books first and get a feel for how this can work. Um, you know, the, the coaching is a little bit different. You have to be a much more proactive based coach versus a reactive based coach. Cause, uh, you know, when you're working with someone in shop, you can see something and respond with feedback immediately, but you can't right. do that in the style of online coaching. You have to be a little bit more proactive. Um, and so, and you have to be a problem solver a little bit more proactively. And, uh, so we're really just learning how to do this one V one with athletes right now and really give them a lot of care and a lot of attention. Because I do want people to feel like right now at this point, they're still getting that same style of experience of working with me and feeling like I'm their coach. Yeah. Now, on the future, we'll expand that out and how exactly is to be determined. But uh, but right now, this is where we're setting our sales. Cool. I love that, man. Um, I think, you know, with obviously with the state of the world right now, that's obviously a pretty ideal circumstance to create a world where you can impact people's lives you know, through their home. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I can only see so many people in shop. Will I hire coaches in the future? Possibly. Um, but right now I, I'm just working as an independent trainer and this is what I kind of like to do right now. Um, so there's only so many people that I can see and I'm at my limit with who I'm taking on in the shop. And I've told my guys this too. And if I lose somebody, then I'll, I'll look to, to onboard a new athlete. But right now, I want to give the athletes that I have on the roster my full attention and my full commitment. And so that we're at our limit with that. And so we're just helping people now through the online portion. And, uh, you know, without that online portion, I've had to turn away quite a bit of people. And so I yeah. couldn't help more people in my business. Obviously, I'm not taking as much business. So if I'm looking at it from that hat and that lens. But uh, but this allows me to work with people on a greater scale and right. it allows work with people who are not locally in my um you know my my county in my center right i have an athlete i work with out in arizona um so it just expands my reach a little bit more cool i love it um chase i am so appreciative of the time you spent with this man um a lot of this i think will be really helpful to new coaches but i also think frankly people that are trying to change careers the the mentality you take and the approach you take with like interpersonal relationships and education and growth. I think um, if people take that mindset into anything non-fitness, I think it would be really useful. So I really appreciate you sharing your story, man, and giving us what you got. Um, I know personally, I know your Instagram, I follow you, but you want to shout out your Instagram here 
um, this would be a good time. Yeah, sure. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on, man. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you guys. And uh, my Instagram is just Chase Cameron Performance. Cool. And if you want to look me up on Facebook, just my name, Chase Cameron. Perfect. Um, so, Chase, I'd love to, you know, continue on this journey with you and have you on in the future. So, you know, as you continue to grow, we hope to, to be there to, to kind of watch it happen. Um, Kai, you got anything you want to get in there, buddy? No, I mean, I just love hearing Chase talk all the time. I mean, it's it's so calming for me. <laughs> but um, but yeah, thanks again, Chase, um, for your wealth of knowledge and and your presence, man. Keeping up, keep up the good work, man. Yeah, so we'll Kai, are you are you gonna dunk on Chase next time, or or how's that gonna go? Y you know, um, I've got like maybe like twenty more inches to go. So. <laughs> okay, so you're not taking off from the free throw line next time. Uh, maybe in like 2040, maybe okay. that'll happen. <laughs> Back on that bird code. <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually signed up with Ben Patrick. I'm on the, uh, ATG group. Hey, these are Let's Yes. Yes. So, so. Wait, you're, you're not going to wear just those vert shoes. You guys remember the vert shoes, right? <laughs> Dude, I wanted those so bad in high school. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Those were, that was stuff back then, man. Yeah. Dude, there was stuff like. Walk on your tiptoes; it'll be fine. Yeah, there was a there was a guy that walked at high school that walked all day in those, all freaking day. <laughs> and then, and then I think like a couple months later he was dunking. But I mean, he was also like six four or something like that. But, anyways. <laughs> all right, well, um, I, I'll tell you this: I do want a rematch, so we're gonna schedule that rematch. Oh, for sure, for sure. When when. When we're able to get to a basketball court, I'm so on social media. Dude, <laughs> there we go. We're gonna we'll put have, that on the podcast. It's going to be like, we're going to have sports podcast. betting. Dude, we're going to have sports betting. We're going to have all that. Everyone's going to, it's it's going to be crazy. All right, man. I'm, call, I'm calling Barstool Sports. We're going to get a laugh. Yeah. Uh, a Barstool Sports, uh, Ball is Life, you know, all of them. <laughs> It'll be a, a media event. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then uh, no, no, will be the ref. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll be the best ref ever. Um, <laughs> guys out there that are still listening and still with us here, um, you can find me at root dot solution. Uh, I won't be dunking on any of my posts. Uh, I promise. Uh, you can always use me on Facebook as well at Noah Drew. Um, but I probably won't check it. So let's just be honest. But I'll try. I promise. Uh, Kai, where can we find you? Hit him with the underscores. The, all the underscores, uh, control underscore the underscore basics. That there is it. underscored. <laughs> all the underscores. Uh, Chase, oh, yeah. thanks again, man. We look forward to talking to you soon. I look forward to seeing the gym in the in the near future, man. Thanks, boys. Oh, thanks, Chase. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk soon. Take care.